the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Defeating discouragement. And later, what to do when a friend breaks up with you. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So thrilled that you are with us today. We've had an incredible week, incredible guests. We'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast this week. Who is a, who is a special guest highlight for you this week, Brian? I think, I mean, as fun as it was to have John Benedek in to talk about the Cubs. Oh, yeah, that was fun. I mean, we've been chasing Russell Moore for a while. So to yeah. have Russell Moore on the show was was great. I mean, that I, was pretty I remember phenomenal. We, it's been a couple of years, but we, we used to reach out to him regularly and be like, hey, come on. And Yeah, he's kind of a super dream guest. Guy, super busy guy. But I got to be honest, the, our conversation with you, Dr. Yuki Miyamoto, the nuclear ethicist at DePaul, ethicist, that yes. was wild like she was fascinating to me and brilliant and so kind and sweet like i've just i've actually thought about that interview quite a bit this week. so that was a highlight that was a highlight for me i also you know people like that are so smart you think like they're not gonna you're not gonna be able to actually talk with them and she was great to chat with so um that was really fun all right yeah. so we've had a big week we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast be sure to subscribe rate and review brian i want to uh Talk about discouragement, and okay. you know we were ju- we were just talking about a couple things. Uh, winning the mega whatever lottery, the mega millions lottery. Billions. That person won billions of dollars. We were also talking about a uh, life church in Oklahoma City, Craig Groeschel's church, baptizing like two thousand people in a weekend or something like that. And you can, at least for me, I can get. You know, we talked earlier this week. I can get a little bit discontent around like other people's financial situations that I don't have when I'm not in a good, healthy headspace. And even like churches, I think it's easier for pastors to be like. Oh man, my church is not great compared yeah. to a church that's baptizing two thousand dollars. And certainly, there's like uh, some demons of discouragement mm-hmm. when you're in mm-hmm. ministry. But I think we mm-hmm. all experience discernment, right? When we begin to compare yeah. our yeah. discouragement, yeah. when we compare ourselves to um, other people. So over at a place we like to go to, sometimes church leaders, Charles Stone is talking about this, and he's telling a story that it, it was Monday. He says, interestingly, they baptized a dozen people, uh, six people indicated they had trusted Christ, and then they kicked off the Alpha uh, ministry with a bang. Okay. Okay. Alpha is an evangelistic uh, ministry for those who don't know. It's really cool. Um, But then he says, but when I got the stats back from Sunday service, I got bummed out. We had a not so good attendance. We had a very poor offering and that pushed me into discouragement. And then he says, this didn't help. My alma mater, Georgia Tech, got plastered by Miami on national TV. (laughs) So he had a, a, a discouraging day, even though God was doing these things. And some of it, it seemed like, I mean, this is what's interesting about discouragement it's like you're, and I know I do this. This is why I'm kind of paying attention to this. 
you're not focusing on, hey, we baptized 12 people, six people right. said you're focusing on the things that didn't happen or the things mm -hmm. that went wrong. And mm -hmm. so it's interesting how discouragement can creep in while God is doing really good things. Do you think discouragement is simply a matter of focus or this is the reality of the job, the ups and downs of it? Like what's been your experience of when you feel most discouraged? Uh, comparison is such a huge aspect yeah, of it. It's just right. looking at other, and it's, we're talking about the pastor world, but it's across the board, right? You've talked mm -hmm. this week about, you know, experiencing generosity of other people, but also that being strangely discouraging because or lack of contentment, because you're like, I wish I could do this for myself. It's that yeah. comparison that yeah. says, I wish my, my church was bigger like that person. I mm -hmm. wish it was baptizing 2000 people right. like that right. one. I wish that we had a bigger house or more financial flexibility like those people. So comparison is it um, for me. It is, is not, it's not being able to see the good things going on in my church, in my home, in yeah. my friendships, in whatever yeah. else, but instead just seeing them in light of these big things going on in other places. And I like I got nothing to be discouraged about. Totally. To be honest with you. Yeah. I have a, a, a family that loves me and that I love mm -hmm. to death. I've mm -hmm. got um, you know, we make enough to be able to mm -hmm. survive. Yeah. Uh, got a church that I love. Got, like there's nothing, but, but there's always yeah. things that are better. And so you go, once you mm -hmm. start comparing, you're like, whatever, like my life stinks. Yeah. And that's, that's when you get discouraged. It's that old, like kind of cliche about the horses with the blinders on, right. To keep them mm -hmm. from being distracted They're you know, their eyes are covered and there is some wisdom in that, right? Like just focusing on what is in front of you and what God has given you rather than looking to the left or the right and doing the comparison thing. Cause it's, it is strange how easily that can be used in our human psyche to cause discouragement. I was watching, uh, Kevin and I went to see this movie called um, Dream and Wild this week and it stars Casey Affleck and Zoe Deschanel. And it's apparently a true story. I had not heard this. Well, these two brothers, uh, Donnie Emerson and I think Joe Emerson, out okay. of Washington. They were musicians when they were teenagers in the 70s. Okay. So they put out an album, like a record, in the yeah, late nice. 70s. And uh, their parents, they literally had a farm. Their parents actually like bet the farm on this, on their music. And basically the album never sold and okay. they lost property and they, so this one son in particular, Donnie was like just racked with guilt because he wanted to be famous and wasn't. And because his family supported him to their own deficit and like nothing came of it. And then wildly, uh, like 30 years later, their album got discovered in some random a vintage store and soon like Jimmy Fallon was talking about it and they got picked up again. So like 30 years later, their dreams come true, but it was an interesting look Weird. at discouragement and dreams deferred. And his whole life, 30 years was spent disappointed that his dreams didn't come true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he had kids. He had a wife who loved him. He was actually still making music, but he wasn't the quote superstar he thought he would be. And I think that's a, I mean, such a kind of cautionary tale for all of us that you can, 
hey, life may not go the way you want it to. Your stats at church may not be what you want them to, but you can easily like not live the life that's in front of you when you're focusing mm. on all the things that aren't happening, didn't happen, or other people's success. It's just weird because, you know, not to be melodramatic, but you get to the end of your life and you think to yourself, I would assume, I don't, I, I hope I'm not thinking to myself, gosh, I really wish I'd grown that church bigger. Mm, gosh, yeah. I really wish that I'd figured out a way to, to make more money so that we could have had X, Y, and Z. Like I think, yeah. you know what? I think you're going to get to the end of your life. I'm going to get to the end of my life and go, man, made some mistakes, did this, but like the family was awesome and the experiences yep. were awesome. The friendships were great. Yep. Uh, and I, I just think, but yet we spend so much of our time allowing mm. those other things to discourage us. Yeah. The things that ultimately, you know, aren't even don't, in our control. You, yeah. Aren't in control, control and ultimately don't fulfill. I think at the end of the end of That's the day, the like I walked around the ham, like we've been joking that my family spent the week in the Hamptons last week out in New York with some family yeah. and. You walk around there and you could be so discontent and discouraged because you don't have the millions upon millions that all these people around you do. But you know what? A, I guess we could say it doesn't matter, is that, but there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, you I can't, can't change just go, it. You know what I wish I had the you just can't right. do anything about it right. in that moment. So what's the point? So it is hard. We often get discouraged about things that ultimately don't matter, but also yeah. that we can't control. Yeah. So I think there's probably a word here about like continuing to pour your heart out to God, practice gratefulness, like that good old practice of just being thankful. My mom used to say, count your blessings every day. She, she had a little rhyme, like count your blessings one by one. Thank God for what he's done. That's what she used to say. Like there's some, I think there's nice. some old good spiritual habits around gratitude thankfulness, delight in the life that's actually in front of you. Anyway, uh, defeating discouragement. Okay. Speaking of some discouraging things, what do you do when a friend breaks up with you, but you didn't realize that I had a conversation with somebody about this recently. I want to unpack it with you. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Brian, I had a conversation with someone who was realizing that one of their really good friends was breaking up with them, but they didn't really, Weird. it wasn't very clear. So we're having a conversation and, sh and my friend was like, yeah, I'm really upset. Like she stopped uh, returning my text messages. And every time I try to make plans, she says she's busy. And she, my, this friend, it used to be the pastor of a church and she left my church and she, and all of a sudden there I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. I'm there like, that's is. the real. And I'm like, it sounds to me like she's breaking up with you, but like in the kind of way where the boyfriend doesn't actually tell you Ghosts. like yeah. yep, she's yep. ghosting you and this this friend of mine was kind of racked with like what did i do wrong how do i and frustrated over the lack of closure and not sure because she's like every once in a while she'll send me a text or a group text and seem like it's okay but then when i try to make plans she doesn't follow up and i'm like it might be time for you to just say like hey god bless you be with you but I have to take care of myself now and no longer put yourself out there. But it, it was kind of an interesting thing. When friends break up with you and you don't really realize it, we've had some experiences like that. We've talked about people leaving mm -hmm. our churches. Uh, thoughts, thoughts on this. What do you do in that scenario? Uh, 
So let's talk about it more in general. I think for okay. us as pastors, we've talked about this often. That's why I said that's it when they when you were when they said the story, they left the church. Yeah, it's always they always go hand in hand. Yeah. But let's just talk in gen- more generalities. I think if they're ghosting you, but it's a relationship that matters to you, and it's like, dudes, I think you got to call them out. Mm. I think you got to go, what the yeah. heck is going on? And, yeah. and make them tell you, I don't what want happened? to be around you anymore, or I don't want to um, spend time with you. Like, because then you're always going to be wondering what happened, what happened? Yeah. What happened? Like, it sounds very yeah. formal. It's almost like an exit interview, but it's like. Kind of is, right? Like, make them say, I don't, I want, don't to do want to be anymore. friends with you anymore, or exactly. I, this isn't working exactly. I, for me anymore. I think that's necessary. I think you can do that. And it then becomes, just kind of redefine the relationship, I suppose. Yeah. And then I think the question is like, okay, let's say you, what happens if you pursue the friend and they're like, no, everything's fine. <laughs> and you're like, well, obviously it's not. And you think at some point you just say, well, I'm done. Like if they're not going to try, I'm not going to try. So you're a girl. So they yeah, tend this to is work different. differently. Okay. Here, tell me about that with boys. I would have to think that if somebody was just kind of like, well, I'm fine, I'm fine, it would just eventually peter out or yeah. it would yeah. or or it would level out at its natural kind of waterline. So, hey, mm. maybe we used to hang out before and talk, but now we're going to go out once a, you know, Quarter every every couple months, right? We're yeah. going to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and, and catch like just up. with like a group of guys or whatever. But we're just going to understand that that's the extent of our friendship now. Like, yeah. It, so I I don't know that if that person's like, hey, I'm I'm good. I'd probably leave it on them to reach out the night. You're going to find right. out what they want. Like, I, right, right. It's just a weird way to think about it, like friendship breakups. But it does I know, certainly it happen. Is weird. It it does certainly happen. I have another friend who said her her mentor kind of broke up with her because they were disagreeing on some things. And like, can you imagine how painful that would be? I I think like I've been thinking more and more about this. I think it's really important to have just good closure and mm, good goodbyes. Yeah. And that's hard to do, certainly. Like if you decide you no longer want to be friends with someone or you just – maybe it's not even that harsh. Maybe it's just like I just don't have the energy to keep pursuing this relationship because my kids are getting older and this and this and this. And it seems like just to have a some type of conversation that's like, hey, the years have been great. Love you. Bless you. I'm not going to be able mm-hmm. to hang out as much. Like I don't know. I I'm I'm finding the older I'm getting, I want things, even friendships to like finish well and mm. not be in that weird, confused state of like, who are we? Like, I think I like to know where I stand and I like people to know where they stand with me. Does that make sense? Or is that too? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that there's, if that's what you need, then, then you yeah. got to push it. Like you yeah. got to be the one to be like, what the heck's going on? Like, why are, yeah. where you been? What are you doing? But right. I, I guess I would also want to encourage people, like, don't be that person. Like we've talked about like it in ghost. the church context. Yeah. We've talked about it in the yeah. church context many times. Like yeah. be an adult, like an adult way to do things is like, Hey, I'm leaving the church. Let me tell you why. And no harm, no foul. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weirder conversation with a friendship, but do it anyway. Hey, you know what? Like, 
I don't have space in my life right now to hang out with you. Yeah. I, I just even in my mind that feels like a really awkward conversation. But wouldn't you appreciate that more than like Oh, a hundred percent. You see that you texted them and it says red, but then you never get anything they back never or whatever else. Back. Yeah. Okay. So here's some tips on how to get closure in relationships where the people are breaking up with you. Set boundaries with yourself for closure. So mm. here's you so to, for yourself you're kind of saying here's the line for what's okay, here's the line for what's not. We set boundaries with ourselves. So you might avoid the friend who is stressing you out. Uh you might um write your feelings about the friendship ending once a day, but then decide to move on and not dwell on it. Like you put some boundaries around how much space they get to take up in your life. Mm -hmm. um, two, get closure by not taking it personally. Someone telling you they don't want to be friends can be very difficult and awkward, but it doesn't have to be. If you can, it's best to put aside overreactions and clouded emotional judgment. I think that's easier said than done. But I, I do have someone in my life who says, you know, when, when someone sets a boundary, even if it's a friend breaking up with you, you can say, thank you for taking care of yourself. I'll take care of myself now and just move forward. Yeah. Like bless them. Be, don't be with them anymore, but like wish them well. Fare there, thee well. There's a lot of like nice language in here. Boundaries, <laughs> isn't that? Like it, it might be very tense. Hey, you're being a jerk. Like yeah, what did you do that be. for? And just right. burn the bridge. Just be like, yeah, hey, I, I need I need to know what happened. Yeah. Um, but I my goal is not to still hang out with you. Like, yeah, like heard, we don't like, need I to don't, be best friends. But you clearly like, don't want that. I don't I'm good, but yeah. Just tell me what happened. Yeah. Or just burn it. Just go just, <laughs> just end nuke it. the just thing. Yep. They said kind of what you said, send a text or call to get closure if possible. Refrain the situation to get closer. It's never easy to hear someone say, I don't want to be friends with you. I'm reading at loophole.com, by the way. However, try to reframe the situation and look at it in a positive way. So something like a door closes, another one opens, a friendship ends, another friendship opens. Um, you know, they also say pay attention is the friendship one way or two ways. So if you are the one giving, 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 and the person isn't responding or receiving or giving back, like just end it. It's okay. Yep. Uh, take space. And they also say you can perform a let it go ritual. I can't imagine a lot of guys doing this, but, <laughs> you know, have a small fire, go through a creative act, do something to That's like funny. ceremonially bring closure to the relationship. This is helpful. Like look inward, discover what they needed in a friend and maybe be kind of honest about where you weren't a great friend to them, but also do the, do the reverse. What did you need a friend and where did they not meet that need? And then take some time to reflect on what happened. So when a friend breaks up with you, hopefully yeah, that happens less and less as time goes on. I just All right, don't Brian, think friendships, oh, friendships just shouldn't be that complicated. They just shouldn't mm. be that complicated. Ugh. And like, That's I think good. if you are in a complicated friendship like that, get out of it. And you're going to realize yeah. that there's a lot less complicated ones out there for you. Uh, isn't that so true? Yep. So true. All right. Coming up next, we are doing one of our favorite things to do each and every Friday. It is a top five list. This one is very Chicago centric, so it's going to be fun. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Today is Friday. Friday. So we get to do one of our favorite things each and every week. That is a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Today, 
we're doing top. This was inspired by uh, a friend coming into town for your daughter. My daughter's my daughter's like closest high school friend. Yeah. Uh, college friend, sorry, college friend is coming into town, staying with us for the weekend. And so, you know, when someone comes in town who's not from where you are, the question mm-hmm. becomes, what do you need to do? What, what are the do you things need to do? Yes. either in the city or city adjacent? Mm-hmm. Kind of because you and I are both suburbs people. Yep. So um, where do you need, like, where's your top list of like, yeah. I want to go do this yeah, with I them? I need to show them this about mm-hmm. where I live. Yep. Okay. You ready for yours? I think so. Mine is pretty cliche, by the way. Oh, mine for sure is. Uh, number five for me, uh, I love in the summertime to take a walk down Navy Pier. So, oh, nice. you know, there might be also like just a lakefront walk here, but if it ends mm-hmm. at Navy Pier, I want to end up at Navy Pier. Hey, let's go on the Ferris wheel, even though that height kind of terrifies me a little yeah. bit. Let's go on the Ferris wheel. Let's walk to the end of the pier. That's Let's have it. lunch on the pier. I think yeah. you get a good sense of Chicago from that's the Navy true. Pier. That's true. You really do, actually. That's a beautiful view over there. That's a good yep. That's a good part of the city. Okay. Mine, I went the other side of downtown Chicago to the, you know, that area that's like museum campus. There's the mm-hmm. Field Museum, the Science mm-hmm. Museum, Soldier Field is right yep. there. Yep. You also get to see the lake from there. There's a mm-hmm. nice little walk. I feel like just kind of over on that side of the city, seeing I like those museums is really fun. The truth is, go park your car where you're talking, walk the lakefront, there you and go. end up at Navy Pier. Ooh. They can even, you can even take a boat taxi back over there if you don't want to do that walk. You again. are a good. That is a good tourist. You're, you're that a is, good tour guide. Yeah, it is probably our two number fives combined probably make for a nice day. Yeah, probably I like that. Nice I like that. Okay, what's next for you? This could be controversial for some people. Oh, okay. Uh. But I don't think we can ignore the fact that one of the things Chicago is synonymous with around the country is deep dish pizza. You might not like it. Yes. You might want to fight that. But I think you need to end up at a deep dish pizza restaurant. Absolutely. Order a pizza. I think I would probably end up at a Giordano's. That tends to be my favorite. My wife would instead probably want to go to Lou Malnati's. Probably what my wife would want. But I think if you if it's truly an out of towner, you gotta go to a deep dish pizza. You place. have to go because you don't, you just don't get deep dish other places. So Mm-mm. it's yeah, Mm-mm. if it's an out of towner, you got that's gonna be on my list, but a little bit higher. Um, how, speaking of, have you watched the show? I think it's called Searching for Italy with Stanley Tucci. I have never even heard okay. of it. As you it's, can now, it's be I, I, I discovered it on the airplane last weekend. I think it's been around for a while, but he goes through Italy just basically eating really good food, and they had a fried pizza in the episode nice. I watched lately, and it looked pretty phenomenal. Okay, huh. um, okay, you're number okay. four. Next one for me, number four. I, this is going to sound kind of funny. I think you just got to like take them on a train somewhere, like get on the get on the train at a like the Wheaton station or wherever mm-hmm. and just like go to another town and then maybe like walk around that town, go to lunch or something like that. But like a train day. I like that. That's yeah, a good one. Not every That's place a has a train you can just ride around. That is true. That is yep. true. Maybe even hop on the L and go around the city. Yeah, a maybe bit that even way. hop on the L. Yeah. Number three for me, again, I'm being somewhat touristy and cliche, but that was oh, the yeah. point. I want to walk on Michigan Avenue, but specifically oh. end up I want to specifically end up at Millennium Park, the bean, yeah, those waterfall yep. things. Yep. We yep. found a great gelato place right there. Like yes. you're the Millennium Park 
it is as touristy as it comes, but you've got a tourist with you. So there's yeah, great energy there. Yep. Go do those strange pictures at the bean, like looking yep. up, whatever else. I think you yep. got to end up in Millennium Park. So that's also on my list, but that's going to come up a little bit higher. Okay. Then the next one for me is very suburban, the Morton Arboretum. I think you got to take mm. people and walk around the gardens and take pictures and do the little that even the kids' garden is really cute. Those like treehouse kind of area. I like it. You would definitely do the Arboretum. I like it. Uh, my number two is going to be much is like yours going to be suburban. Okay. Um, but it's also going to be for me, where I live. So if somebody comes from out of town, I want to, I live in Downers Grove. I want to walk Downers Grove, let them see where we live and then end up sitting outside at one of the many great restaurants in downtown Downers, whether it be a Giamia or a, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or one of those Mm -hmm. cadence or something like that, somewhere where you could sit outside. So it's like dual, like you get to, you get to experience my town. Yeah. And then we're going to have a nice, and then we're going to end up at every day is a Sunday or something, getting ice cream. It's that yeah. kind of just walking, walking our town, which I is like a that. cute main street. Yeah. You do have a cute main street in Downers Grove. That's yeah. You definitely have that going for you. I love that. Okay. Um, I, uh, my number two is kind of what you mentioned earlier, just the sort of Michigan Ave, like you're going to, you know, you're going to see the bean. You're going to walk through all the big shops downtown. Mm-hmm. You're going to, um, you know, walk by the Art Institute, decide if you're going to go in or not, but at least see the lions like that. Like, I, I don't even know what area, just downtown Chicago, I think. Michigan is Avenue like, is great. Such yeah, energy. There's good energy. There is such energy though. and there's, you know, coffee to get and cool shops. I mean, it may be a stop, shop you've already been to, but it's like the giant version of it. Like that kind of stuff is very touristy and fun. It did strike me that almost all of these uh, – necessitate the window of time here in Chicago where it's nice outside. <laughs> Ooh, this is not a winter list we're making. Nope. No. This is definitely not a well, winter list. I don't know. List. We'll go to the DuPage Children's Museum <laughs> if it's cold out or something. Uh, my honorable mention, I already mentioned, but a little more specifically, the beach. Like you go, oh, I just love yeah. where you can see the city yeah. behind you. Go to the beach. Yeah. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I actually think I might have, I could be talked to getting this into the top five somewhere. Uh, the architectural boat tours. Oh yeah. Those are fun. I didn't add those on my list, but those are cool. The best. And you could usually do okay with like a group on, on those or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I probably wouldn't go there without a membership, but the Brookfield zoo got to love the Brookfield zoo. Brookfield zoo is a good zoo. Sure. Maybe go to Lincoln park zoo since it's free, but. Oh yeah. And right in the city. That's another Mm -hmm. good idea. Okay. I put my, my, my honorable mention, I love my hometown of West Chicago, but it is not a great, uh, it's not a downtown, downtown, but we have a very cool local coffee shop, Kindred. And right next door is a very cool Mexican restaurant where you actually sit on someone's back porch and eat coffee. We love it there. And they're right next door to each other. So I would kind of do like and we, you know, again, there's not a lot of great stuff in West Chicago to walk around, but I would definitely show them the little gems of my city. Those two being right. Them. You, so you got to show them where you mission. live. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, number one. You probably will not be surprised by this, but assuming they're in town, I want to take my guests to Wrigley Field. Yeah. That, we I are going to put to, Wrigley. Mm-hmm. 
if if it's the White Sox who are in town, I'd probably still take them. But there's the iconic nature of yeah. Wrigley, the the neighborhood, the food, the totally. everything about Wrigley. You gotta go to Wrigley. So it's that'd be number so, one for me. It's so classic, iconic Chicago. So yeah, yes. that's that's a great number one. All right, my number one was lower on your list, and I just kind of put a ge- like a general food tour, like deep mm-hmm. dish pizza, Chicago hot dogs. There's this uh, tapas restaurant in Naperville called Mason Sabico, which I feel like is just so unique to this area. And in general, just like good Chicago food is uh, something I would definitely take people to do. We have good, I, we have good we food do. here in our city. All right. Well, let us know what we missed on our social media at Common Good Talk. Those are the top five places we would take people who are visiting from out of town. Coming up next, what gets in the way? of disciple making. We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. So Brian, somebody asked me this question. I'm speaking at the Ordinary Discipleship little mini conference at Wheaton College tomorrow. Somebody Mm -hmm. asked me this question. What are the narratives, the stories that get in the way of you making disciples? Yeah. I'm just going to leave that open-ended. Uh, what gets in the way of the ordinary person making disciples? Time. I think time Ooh. is going to be one of them. It yeah. is a. I don't have um, enough time. Gosh, do I? Does this mean I have to meet weekly with this person? <laughs> is this? And then it's going to build into. So time's going to be a big one. Like the time commitment it might take. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And then on top of that is, how the heck do you make a disciple? How like, the what heck? are we even talking about? What are we yeah. even? Like, are we what talking is that? mentoring? Are we talking, I'm a Bible study leader? Are we talking? So yeah. for most people, myself included, if you went up to me and said, what stops you from making a disciple? I think the answer would probably be, would actually be, I don't know how, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm, what's the end goal? Like, what am, yeah. what does it actually look like? Is it a class? Yeah. Is it a study? Yeah. Is it a mentoring? Like you said. And so that's probably the biggest time is a big one, but I think probably Disciple so, making is messy and weird, and that's a mm-hmm. weird word, and I don't mm-hmm. actually know what it looks like. Yeah, I think that is actually so insightful because you're right about the end goal, like in a couple ways, like what the container of it. Is it that I'm meeting for coffee and we're reading a book? Is it that we're praying together? Is it mm-hmm. that I'm sort of a therapist and we're talking about life? But then this conversation of end goal, like uh, where are we headed? What do yeah. I want? The, disciple making sort of assumes I'm taking you somewhere. You're transforming into something. Generally, as Christians, we would say Christ likeness. But like, what does that mean? What's that? How do you know when you're done? Like, I think yeah. there are the, the containers around it. So, so there's something about not being equipped, not knowing what the heck it is. Do you I think agree there's? With that. Do you think there's any kind of I'm not qualified good enough oh 100 percent. yeah uh am i even far enough along in my discipleship journey quote unquote am i a disciple you know am i worthy of being a disciple maker like we all know the great commission go and make disciples but yeah gosh if you knew what you know i struggle to read my bible or i don't really pray much or am i growing enough and so we start to go um is there even am I worthy? I think worthy is the word I would use. Am I worthy to have that? Uh, no, there's better Christians than me, so I'm going to let yeah, them. Yeah, I'll let them it. do it. I'll let I think them. That's 
I think that's super fair. Do you also I, – I was wondering this. Is there a also like – I mean, does it matter? Like why am I supposed – like what's the – not even just what's the end goal, but different than that is like does it make a difference? Even though Jesus said go and make disciples, like do I really have to? Like d- does that make sense? Like I think there's a question of like the value of disciple making. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that one, but maybe it's – uh you know, they'll learn it somewhere. They'll learn yeah. it. Some- yeah, there's that. I, that'd be lower on my list. Like I yeah. do think the, I'm confused by what the, what this process mm-hmm. is. Totally. I'm not perfect. Yep. And that sounds like a lot of time and energy. Like that stew right there probably goes, yeah. yep, no, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. In your life, Brian, over the years, like what, obviously you lead a church. So in one sense, just by nature of your church planting role, you've got disciples, which is not a mm-hmm. word we use very often, but those you're leading spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your life, how, what has like, if either you were discipled or you were discipling, like what has it looked like over the years? So that's the weird thing about it is like, I've never had a moment in my life where somebody was like, I want to disciple you mm-hmm. and I want to sit down weekly. That's because we're Gen Xers, at, right? Right. <laughs> That's like what that, they say never, about us. that never happened in my life. It was never mm-hmm. like, let's go through this book together. Let's do yeah. whatever. What did happen often in my life when I was in high school and college was there were some specific men at my church growing up, one of them, my youth pastor, like after after getting out of his youth group and then becoming a youth pastor myself and all this stuff, I realized what he was doing. Yeah. But didn't know it in the moment. Interesting. I don't, and he, it might not have been strategic. He just might've yeah. been a guy who was 25 years old and was just exuberant. But yeah, I don't remember, Aubrey, this will sound terrible. Like I don't remember anything he ever taught in mm. a youth group setting. Mm. This is the strangest thing. I was like Mr. Youth Group. I was there all the time. It was a small church. It was a small Mr. church. But, Youth Group. Right? Like, but I actually can't, if you asked me to diagram the room we used to meet in yeah. or talk to you about what a normal youth group night was, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. I have no remembrances of like the actual structure and the program. What do you remember though? I remember that this guy would hang out with us all yep. the time. Yep. We would go play basketball. We would go yep. golfing. We would go out. We we could drop in at his office at any moment and after school and all of this stuff. And he'd hang out at our house and yep. whatever else it might be. And it had a huge impact on me. Yep. Um, there were two other men in our church growing up who played softball with them. This night, and they would be like, hey, can I take you to dinner? I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they're discipling me now. That's <laughs> not what it was. And they, we never opened the Bible in those dinners. Yeah. They just go, hey, tell me what you want to do with your life or tell me this. One of them in particular, who I haven't talked to in 20 years now, one of them in particular, when I went to Wheaton, because remember I grew up in New Jersey, when I went yep. to Wheaton, he would regularly fly through uh, Chicago for business. Mm. And every time he did, he would call me, hey, come no meet way. me down here on my dinner. Then Carrie and I start dating. And he's like, hey, bring Carrie. Come on. And he, again, Aubrey, there was no plan. There yeah. was no like, yeah. there was no like, hey, we're going to go through the book of Romans together. Right. It was right. just, hey, 
I don't know that he ever taught, but I, I learned stuff about life from mm. these guys. And so that's kind of, they're obviously with discipleship tends to be, needs to be more intentionality in some of those relationships. I and think so. I know the ones who've made the biggest impact on me, uh, there really wasn't intentionality. It was it was an intentionality of time. Yeah, that's so more interesting. Than, more than like we're going through this and we're going through. There's nothing wrong with going through stuff. In fact, it's probably preferable. But in my own life, that wasn't how it played out. Have you heard that old Maya Angelou quote that's like, people will not remember what you said. They will not remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. There's something to that, I think, in disciple making. Like you don't – you can, I think, have like a curriculum or a study if that's helpful for you. You can have like an eight-week, here's the time – here's the course we're going to be on. But I also don't think you have to. I think there is some right. gift of just presence right. and pouring in. I do. This made me think about a um, one of my youth pastors growing up used to come to our school and take a few of us out to lunch yep. and it'd be spontaneous. Yep. And it was always fun. Like it was always hilarious. He'd like do goofy things at the restaurants, you know, like a typical probably, I'm sure he was young twenties at the time right. or something. Yep. Yep. Um, and it, that, that was it. I don't even, I don't think he prayed for us. I don't think we definitely weren't like reading a book together, but those moments were so like delightful. And I, I think as I'm looking back on them made me feel like I mattered and he was just a cool, cool, older, faithful Christian guy, at least to me as a high schooler. And like, that Mm. was enough, like something about he's taken it. He's taken time to invest in a group of us. Awesome. Like that yes. was great, you know, that was meaningful and somehow lasting even now. So I, I think maybe, I'm not saying we make too big a deal of it. I think maybe we make too little of a deal of it, but I think our impact is actually maybe something about our presence I agree. with somebody I agree. rather than like, let me give you all this information. So you're a disciple. It, anyway, interesting to think about what mm-hmm. gets in the way of disciple making. Well, hey, we're so glad you've been with us this week. It's been such a good one. We hope you have a great weekend. We'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.